I'm going to have the main verse on the screen, but we're going to look at some other uh, parts of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you just want to hold that open. It's always interesting when a Sunday like this comes, because you wonder what to, to preach about. Huh? I was thinking July 4th, Independence Day, we, we recognize the fact that a group of people decided that they no longer wanted to be something. They, they no longer wanted to be British colonists. They no longer wanted to be under British rule, and they decided that they wanted to create something brand new that the world had never seen and create the democratic republic that we have. And I got to thinking about the spiritual applications of something like that. And, and although it's not a perfect analogy, I believe we can look at what happens to us through Christ. We start off as one thing, and because of what Jesus did for us, we can become something completely different, something totally different than what we were. So this morning we're going to look at what it means to be a new creation uh, in light of Jesus Christ's sacrifice for us. It's been said that you can only truly know who you are by truly knowing God. And I don't know that I've ever thought about it in those terms, but I do believe that's true. If you look around the world today, there are a lot of people trying to find themselves, to figure out who they are. And that's not a new thing. Uh, in the 60s, a lot of people turned to Eastern religions and meditation and drugs and things like that to try to discover themselves. Some people claim to have done that. Some people have been more successful than others. But I want to suggest that if you truly want to find yourself, if you truly want to discover who you are, then first you have to find God. He is our creator. He is the one that made us. So in order to truly understand who we are, we have to understand the one who made us. And the way we see that is we look in his word that he has given us. His word reveals the truth about who we were meant to be, what we became, and who we can be. You begin in Genesis, you see that we were all created in the image of God. That's what we were meant to be, created in God's image and live with him in perfect harmony and perfect unity and perfect fellowship. That's what we were created to be. And only two people were ever able to do that, and then they sinned. And because of that, we fell from grace. Paul, writing to Timothy, said Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's what we became. And Paul actually says that he was the worst of all sinners. So we went from being created in God's image. That, that was what we were supposed to be. But because of sin, we are now sinners, lost, enslaved to sin and death. But Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, Reminds us of what we are going to be and what we can become. So if you have your Bibles open there to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the main verse is right here. This is the one I'm going to begin with, but we're going to look at some of the verses around it. Paul, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see, the new has come. That's short and sweet, but there's a lot contained in that one little verse right there. But it's pretty obvious what Paul is saying is if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you've been obedient to Scripture, and Christ dwells in you, 
then you are no longer what you once were. Your old self has passed away and now you have become something new, something different by being in Christ. And this is what we want to look at this morning. What does that mean? We're going to look at the context of this statement within what Paul is saying here. He's actually talking about a ministry of reconciliation between God and mankind and how we play a part in that. But before we move to that, if you look back in chapter 4, in chapter 4, verse 6, Paul relates this back to Genesis. He says, the God that created darkness out of nothing. If you go back to Genesis, God said, let there be light. And for the first time, there was light. He said, that same God that spoke light out of darkness has now put the light of Christ in us and revealed his glory through Jesus Christ so that we no longer have to walk in darkness. Notice what Paul is connecting here. The God of Genesis 1, the God of creation, is the God of the gospel, the God of our salvation. Creator God is our saving God. And he does it through his word. In Genesis 1, it was his spoken word. And through the gospel, it is the living incarnate word of God in Jesus. When you belong to Jesus... You don't just get a new you. You don't get a new name, a new driver's license. It's not like when your car runs down and you have to buy another car. You have a new car. It's still just a car. Or if your watch dies, this is my third watch in the last four years. I, apparently, I'm tough on watches. I got a new watch, but it's just a watch. But in Christ, something mystical, something spiritual happens. It's not just a new name. There are three things that happen when we are in Christ and we are made part of the new creation because that's what this all leads to is one day Jesus is going to return and he's going to make all things new. He's going to restore the order of creation back to what it was supposed to be. New heaven, new earth. And we're going to see what it was like before the fall, what it was like before sin. But we can experience part of that here and now when we are made new in Christ. The first thing that happens when we become Christians, when we repent, when we confess that he is Lord, that we are sinners in need of salvation, when we are immersed in his name, our sins are washed away, but then his spirit comes inside of us, it dwells within us, and makes us new. Look at verse 16, right before the one we just read. From now on, once Christ has come into our lives, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. The first thing that happens when the Spirit of God comes and dwells in us and he starts to work in our lives is we have to have a new perspective on things. There's a Christian artist named Brandon Heath, and he's got a beautiful song called Give Me Your Eyes. And the whole song talks about walking through life and starting to see people through the eyes of Jesus Christ instead of looking at them the way the world does. If we are truly new creations and Christ is living within us, we see not only ourselves, but we see everyone else through his eyes. Now there are moments when we stumble, there are moments when we are human, but if we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us and we've truly repented, repent literally means to change the way you think, to have a new mind, a new perspective. 
And part of the reason Paul is writing this section is because people had said a lot of things about him. They had misconstrued his message. They had accused him of all sorts of things. They had made lies up about him. And he just wanted them to understand that in Christ, we have to view people differently. We have to look at them and have the same vision that Jesus Christ has for each and every one of us. What does it mean to no longer know anyone from a worldly perspective? Well, that means we have to check our attitudes. We have to check the way we think about people. And I confess, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. There are times when I see individuals, and perhaps they are involved in something that I don't approve of. Perhaps they are dressed in a way that I don't particularly care for, or they're listening to music that I don't particularly like. And I go into a critical, judgmental way of looking at them. Instead of having some grace, instead of showing love, I look down upon them as if somehow I'm better than they are. And I'll just confess, that's wrong. Even when I do it, that's wrong. Every single one of us. And it's difficult to see this sometimes, especially in the world that we live in. It's difficult to look at people through the eyes of Jesus. But when Jesus looks at anyone, no matter what situation they are in, no matter how broken, no matter how sinful they may, be or may appear to be to us, what he sees is someone created in the image of God. Someone that he loved enough that he went to the cross for them. So we can't look at others with a worldly attitude. We can't look at others with that condemning, critical, harsh, judgmental way of doing the way the world does. That doesn't absolve people of their situations or absolve people of their behavior. We're still supposed to preach truth. We're still supposed to preach the gospel. We're still supposed to call wrong, wrong. But it's the manner in which we do it. It's the manner in which we look at one another. Not a single one of us can look at another human being on this earth and think that we are better than they are. Because on our own, we're not. We're in the same boat. The only thing that separates us from those that we are tempted to judge and criticize is whether or not Christ is in our life. That's the only thing that makes us any different from the rest of the world is whether or not Christ is in our life. Scripture even tells us that God doesn't judge by outward appearances. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter where you're from. John's Gospel says that God loved the entire world. Every single one of us so much that Jesus died, not just for me, but for everyone. And that's the way Jesus looks at the world. Yes, he sees the sin. Yes, he sees the separation. But it breaks his heart. Because he wants everyone to know him. He wants everyone to come to salvation. And if we are truly believers... If we truly believe that Jesus loved us and died for us and saved us through his grace, and if you die outside of Christ, there's a place called hell 
where there will be eternal torment. If we really believe that, we should never look at someone and hope that they go there or wish that they go there. And you may say, well, I don't do that. But if we see people in those situations and we have the opportunity to share the gospel and we don't, we might as well wish them there. If we really believe Jesus is the only way, we need to tell people. And it doesn't necessarily have to be through our words. It's through the way we live. How many of the problems in our lives are wrapped up because we fail to look at our friends our spouses, our children, our family members, we fail to look at them through the eyes of Christ and see them for who they are, a dearly loved child of God. How much of the struggle we face in life is because we don't look at ourselves as what we truly are, a beloved child of God. Paul reminds us that at some point before we came to know Christ, we even looked at him that way. Perhaps we thought, well, I don't need a Savior. I don't need Jesus. I'm okay by myself. When we think carnally, when we think with the flesh, when we think like the world, we are denying that we are Christians. Paul says if we are really believers, if Christ really lives within us, we have to look at things differently. We have to have a new perspective. And once we have that new perspective, like I said, the word repent literally means to have a new mind. To look at things differently, to look at things through the eyes of Jesus. And once we do that, look what verse 14 and 15 say. The love of Christ will compel us. Since we've reached this conclusion, if one died for all, that's Jesus, then we all have died in him. He died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. When we become new creations, we have this new perspective, this new way of thinking about things, and we become a new person. We become a person not focused on ourselves. We become a person not living for our own desires, but a person living for the will of God. Jesus said the good shepherd laid down his life for his flock. Every single one of us. And I confess, I don't know exactly how it works. It's kind of mystical. It's kind of spiritual. But it says that when we die to Christ, spiritually, and Paul talks about this in the book of Romans, Paul says that when those of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. He said, when we have been buried with him in baptism, we've been buried with him in his death. And because he rose from the dead, and we have been buried with him spiritually, we now walk in newness of life. We have become these new people living this new life, not selfishly, not focused on our own desires, not focused on me, but on him. I love volunteering at summer camp. While we were up in Pennsylvania, I worked just about every summer to camp up there. I, I worked down here in Little Washington at our camp. And one of the things we consistently tell our staff members, the junior counselors, the counselors, ourselves, that it's not about us. 
One of the things we remind our campers, we want to have fun. We want to do all these fun things while we're here at camp, but it is not about us. It's about Jesus. This newness of life, this new person that we have become, and this is critical. This is important, and this is something I have to remind myself constantly because, like I said, we don't live a perfect life in Christ. We live a redeemed life. And he continues to work through us through his spirit. But sometimes we forget that we are living for him. We have a God of second chances. We have a God of do-overs. Every single one of us have needed and have wanted a second chance, a fresh start, a mulligan, whatever you want to call it. But so many people, when they have been given a new start, when they have been given a second chance, they go back to living their lives for themselves and they miss the entire point. And before too long, you know what they need? They need another do-over. It would be like me trying to play golf. I don't know how many mulligans I would need to complete a round of golf because I'm just not very good at it. But when we live for ourselves, we can do fine for a little while. We can hang in there. But until we understand that it is not about us, it's about Jesus, putting him first. What we do with our time, the things we read and watch, where our money goes, the things that we say, the way we spend our time, the way we dress, what we listen to, all of that needs to be understood and carried out in light of the fact that we are no longer living for ourselves. We are living for Jesus. The true evidence that we are a new creation, that we are a new person, is that we think of Christ first. Several years ago, those little bracelets, what would Jesus do? They were really popular. They were really trendy. Somebody made a lot of money selling them. And people got tired of seeing them. That's a true thing to ask yourself. That's a good thing to ask yourself. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus think? How would Jesus deal with this? And once again, we can't do this perfectly. We're not Jesus. But when we're looking at the world through his eyes, when we're discerning his will through scripture, Paul in Romans 12, when he says, be living sacrifices and then you can discern the perfect will of God and please him. And sometimes we'll stumble. Sometimes we'll fall. Sometimes we'll be tempted to be selfish and live for ourselves. But when we anchor ourselves in Jesus and realize that he is our rock, he is the one that we stand on, our boats may drift a little that way. They may drift a little that way. It can be tossed back and forth in the winds and the storms. But like the hymn says, when our anchor is on the solid rock, we will not fall away. Go back to verse 9. You don't have to read it. Paul says, whether we're at home, whether we're away, wherever we are, our goal, our aim is to please God through our lives. Jesus died so that we can have a new perspective. We can see things through his eyes. His spirit comes and dwells within us so we can be new people, a new creation, have a new life. And that means we have a new purpose. Like I said, the majority of this section is talking about Paul's ministry. He was having to address some lies and things that were said about him. 
But Paul understood probably better than most people about being made something new. Paul was a Pharisee, if you remember. Paul was someone who thought that he could please God by living the law. And he did it very well. He thought, if I do enough good stuff, that was the mentality. If I'm just good enough, if I do more good than bad, then I'm okay. And once Paul came to know Christ, he understood that that's a dead way of thinking. That just leads to frustration. That leads to guilt. Paul understood that we are only saved by grace. And it made him a completely different person. And Paul talks about this ministry of reconciliation. God sent Jesus to die on the cross to reconcile us back to him. Sin had broken that relationship beyond repair. There was nothing we could do to fix it. We were never going to make things right. And all through the Old Testament, you see God slowly revealing things to us to get people ready, to prepare people for the time when he would fix it. And that time came when Jesus went to the cross and he reconciled. He took away the problem. He took away the barrier. He filled in the gap. But as Christians, because Jesus has done that for us, we have now been given that ministry as well. First of all, we're supposed to work to reconcile people back to Christ. And how do we do that? Number one, we do it by living what we believe. I'm not sure who the quote originally goes back to, but it says the greatest sermon is a life well lived. If we really want to point people to Jesus, we do what Jesus told his disciples. Be light. Be salt. When people see your good deeds, they will praise God the Father. So that's the first way that we help reconcile people back to God. Is by living in such a way and saying things that lead them to Jesus. Because he's the only one that can do it. And then part of the way... We are in this ministry of reconciliation is that we reconcile our relationships with one another. Are there people in your life, friends, family members, co-workers, people who you have relationships with that are strained, that are broken, maybe even completely severed? God doesn't desire that for any of us. That's the relationship we all have with him before Christ. And he loved us so much that he fixed that. And because he has fixed that through Christ, he expects us to make reconciliation with one another. To do everything we can to live at peace with one another. To be peacemakers. To work for peace. And the truth is that some people would just not have any part of it. But we're to do everything that we can. Live our lives in such a way that they see Jesus in us. I know we've heard this before. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the only Jesus that some people will ever see. <laughs> and because Christ died for us, he has given this new perspective. That's the way we're supposed to look at the world. When we see individuals that are perhaps involved in things that they shouldn't be in, when we see individuals that perhaps we have issues and problems with, we're supposed to look at them through Jesus' eyes. 
And when you read the Gospels, you see Jesus had compassion for those who were lost, who were broken, who were hurting. And so should we. And we should point them to the one who can heal them, who can free them, and who can deliver them. And because we have been freed, we have been healed, and we have been delivered because we are new creations. We need to share that with others. It's not just a nice thing to say, I'm a new creation in Christ. Are we really living it? Do we really have a different perspective? Are we really different people living for Christ instead of ourselves? Are we really doing everything we can to help others be reconciled to God through the gospel and to reconcile our relationships with one another? This morning... Maybe you're a Christian, but somewhere along the way you just kind of lost sight of it and you need to reorient. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ, every single one of us. We have his spirit living within us, and sometimes we stumble, sometimes we stray, but all you have to do is take one step back, get reoriented, realize that maybe I've been looking at things the wrong way. I've been thinking about things the wrong way. I haven't been completely living for Jesus. Or perhaps you've never done that this morning. Perhaps you've never truly repented, changed the way you think about life, changed the way you think about eternity. Perhaps you've never confessed that you were a sinner in need of Jesus' grace. You've never obeyed the command to be immersed. Whatever it is this morning, it's never too late. As long as we have breath in our lungs, as long as Christ tarries, there's the opportunity. This morning we're going to sing this song. Number 405. If you have a decision to make this morning, perhaps it's just say, I need to get refocused. I need to get back on track. Or you've never made the commitment the very first time as we stand and sing the first and third verses, we invite you to come forward this morning. <laughs>